I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Fu. And it's been a, a very busy week in the Ice Hockey National Hockey League world. Matt Murray was put on waivers. Brendan Lemieux bit Brady Kachuk. Uh, and the Montreal Canadiens experienced total or near total front office turnover. And we will get to all of that. But first, as is routine, we will talk about the most important part of the week, which is the Dallas Stars. What comes to your mind when I say important? It's the Dallas Stars, who I've got to say this week, I know like they were not doing so well heading into this week. People are saying, is Rick Bonus on the hot seat? Everyone's underachieving. And I wanted to, I think, I feel like that's kind of a theme, actually. Like, right when we started watching Florida, they started losing. Now, right, we start, when we watch Dallas, they start winning. And this week, they were making my prediction look good. I think I had them, like, second in the division. And especially in that first game of the week against the Oilers, where they won 4-1, that was a super complete game. They looked like a, a, a dominant team at both ends. And looking at their roster, I have to say, I didn't really, they don't really have a reason to, to underachieve. They look like a playoff team on paper. And in that game, they looked like a playoff team on the ice, too. And a notable part of that game, is they actually ended Connor McDavid's 17-game point streak to start the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, apparently this podcast is just the straight-up narrative changer. So we'll go in with narrative. I was like, oh, yeah, let's let's pick the stars because they suck shit. Uh, and then they come in and they win all their games this week against pretty good opposition. Um, and yeah, so yeah, the Oilers, uh, they were basically shut down completely offensively by the stars. Uh, when it comes to shutting down McDavid, one guy who I saw a lot, I think this was probably a bonus plan heading into the game uh, in order to really shut down McDavid uh, was to kind of line match Heiskanen with him uh, for, for, for much of the night. And I thought Heiskanen was great. Uh, he was, he was constantly disrupting Connor McDavid and yeah, they could, they could really never get any sort of offensive sustained pressure going uh, the Oilers. And it was really all stars all game long. Uh, and, you know, it was a trend that they, 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 started and, and continued in the avalanche game for the first two periods i found uh but it was just it was very dominant the, i mean for the stars you know their stars showed up uh i thought rupe hints in particular had a fantastic week joe pavelski had a solid game against the oilers and uh yeah i mean they what they scored like two goals and was this the game that they scored they scored like two goals in the first like five minutes um and then they just kind of never let up the avalanche okay well they, they started off with an early goal anyways um i think they they, they scored an early goal in all three games this week uh or at least you know in the first half of the first period and yeah they just kind of i think i think that's a, i thought i saw a stat uh during the broadcast it was just that uh what the, the stars are a team that their their record is excellent when they have the lead after one period uh i don't think they've won a single game uh after trailing after the first period so uh you know they followed that formula this week started off early with three uh in all three games and uh it panned out especially in that Oilers game it really never seemed like they always got anything going yeah, I feel like Dallas is built in such a way so that, I mean, the hope for them is that their forward group is like, it's relatively balanced, at least the top nine is, and that, you know, if Hints maybe doesn't show up for one game, maybe it'll be Radulov or Pavelski or Sagan or Ben or Gurianov who chip in tonight. Uh, unlike, you know, say the Oilers, for example, that leans heavily on their top guys, Dallas is, is a little bit more balanced. And as for, you know, matching up Haskinen against McDavid, thinking about like all the defensemen in the NHL, I feel like like Miro Haskinen maybe is like your best hope at a defenseman to pin to McDavid, not just because of how good he is, but especially because of how fast he is. And he's maybe one of the only defensemen in the NHL that has a hope of keeping up with Connor McDavid speed-wise. And I mean, at least for, for this one game, it seems to have worked out. And the the one the moment from this game that stood out was uh, the Denis Gurianov goal. Uh, Haskinen, 
got the assist on it. I think it was just like uh, he passed it from like in the neutral zone and Gurionov just kind of blew by everybody and went uh, backhand five hole. And I was like, damn, you know, there, there are a lot of players in, you know, smaller markets or whatever you want to say that really don't get the limelight. And I felt like during that Dallas Stanley Cup run a few years ago, Hints and Gurionov were the big two. And I was like, look at these guys, these new young stars in Dallas. And then everyone kind of proceeded to forget about them the next year. But watching these three games, uh, and they really were both on the top of their game, these games, I was like, yeah, those are those are two guys to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think I think that's really the recipe for success when we talk about the Dallas Stars. Uh, part of why they were flailing the last couple of weeks were that, you know, their, their balanced lines, nobody was really clicking. Um, but... I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the coaching rumors that lit a fire under them. But yeah, Hintz, Gryanov. I'd, I'd throw in Jason Robertson in there, who uh, continues to be really good um, after his rookie season last year. Joe Pavelski, who had a very slow start to the season, seemed to be pretty good this week. I mean, he was really clicking. Uh, and, I mean, what, he hit the post at one point, too. I think he scored three goals this week. So, uh, yeah, everything's kind of seemed to go right for the Stars. And honestly, I don't, I can't put my finger on like, what's the big switch other than us deciding to cover them this week. Um, <laughs> but here we are. I have, uh, I think one big factor at least is Rupe Hints because he started the year so cold. I think it was something like, like he was like, the analytics were generally pretty good after like 12 games. He only had like two assists, like no goals and two assists or something crazy like that. And all of a sudden now I think he's on like a seven game point streak or he's at least, you know, he's regressing again. And that's made a big difference. And you watch him play and he's like, yeah, this guy is so dynamic. You would see why when he's on and when pucks are going in versus when they aren't, that makes the difference between a bunch of wins and a bunch of losses for Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's so skilled. I think there was there was one play, I forget which game it was this week, um, but it kind of stood out where he just... Kind of drove to that and like he deked the shit out of somebody. He had a great A scoring chance where he was he cut in uh, from the left side and uh, it just plays like that um, where he's just his game speed is so fast and the skill is is able to you know keep up with it um, and yeah when when he's clicking the stars clearly can put something together. Uh, moving on to the uh, Avalanche game um, before we started recording, you wanted to shout out somebody on the Avalanche this time around for handing the game to the stars. Uh, it's it's our old favorite, Jack Johnson, who is uh, clearly directly responsible for the first goal for the Stars, uh, debatedly for the second goal, and uh, he continues to be fucking bad and costing teams games that he plays for. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, I did have, an, as always, an extra eye on Jack Johnson, trying to be like, oh, is he going to make a mistake? Whereas if this were any other defenseman who made these two plays, I might have, you know, barely noticed it but the fact that it was jack johnson and he does this type of thing all the time just makes it stand out even more so the uh, the, the first dallas goal was a joe pavelski goal basically jack johnson it was so, what's the opposite of graceful he was like he skated behind the net and like tripped over the net and like spun around and almost lost balance and then like didn't know where joe pavelski was it kind of looked like he didn't even know where he was and joe pavelski just like i think tapped in a rebounder got a, an easy setup to score into an open net uh and the third dallas goal of the game was a power play goal jack johnson for some reason was out there killing the penalty and uh he just kind of left i think two guys i think it was like uh jason robertson and who else was a Gurianov. anyway there were two dallas players he just left totally alone in front of the net in order to go unnecessarily challenge 
whichever Dallas player had the puck alongside the boards. And uh, it was a pretty easy goal. And, you know, people have been talking about Colorado. I think they, like, won the President's Trophy last year. Obviously, they were a cup favorite. They go out and sign Jack Johnson, and they play him in games. And all of a sudden, Colorado's underachieving and, like, along the playoff bubble. They're, they're, there's a correlation there. If we just watched this one Colorado game. If Jack Johnson, if any other defenseman, well, not any other, obviously, but, like, put take the next defenseman in line for Colorado and put them in the game instead of Jack Johnson, there's a pretty decent chance that we're looking at like a 1-1 game going to overtime or something like that. This guy is so bad that even though he gets on the ice for like 15 minutes a game, he will single-handedly blow it for you often. Jack Johnson will be the reason you lose often, no matter how good the rest of your team is. Even if you're, you are the President's Trophy Colorado Avalanche, Jack Johnson will lose you the game against Dallas. It's... Yeah, unbelievable that he's continuing to get str- and not only that but he's like 35 now so like this is normally the age where even okay defensemen would start to be phased out of their careers uh but this guy's been bad forever and he's still he's sticking around <laughs> i'm so fucking confused i i just as confused as you are as to how he continues to get ice time is he is he just that assertive with the coaching staff that he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going over the boards and, and ain't nobody can try to stop me right now. Uh, because that's the only way I can think of that. He gets regular ice time. Like he does and continues to con- like just completely blow it. I mean, he's so like, the word is like bumbling, clumsy, completely fucking lost out on the ice. Um, and yeah, it's really that, that first Pavelski goal. It was just hilarious. This guy's like four steps behind looking the wrong way and behind the net. Um, and Pavelski has a, a wide open empty net to smash in the rebound. Uh, and yeah, for that third stars goal, they're just, it's not even like they're in some obscure part of this. They're in the front slot. Those two stars, two stars uncovered into the front of the slot. Uh, who I think it was Stuart Skinner was the goalie. No fucking chance to stop that shit. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's terrible. He's so that was Colorado. So that would have been, uh, that would have been Kemper. Oh, right. Um, but, uh, anyways. I got my teams mixed up there, but uh, it's just fucking, I don't know who looks at watches and play and decides that they want to keep sending him out on the ice. He offers no tangible positives or intangible positives. I assume I can't, I don't see Jack Johnson as a great locker room guy. Um, I, I see him as a, not, not much of a negative guy. I don't see, I don't think he's a shithead. Maybe he is. I don't know. Um, but I can't imagine he has much of a positive impact either. Um, especially given that he's this bad and I assume his teammates know he's, Total dog shit as well. Um, so, you know, is he still riding that high traffic pedigree? How many years, like almost 20 years later? I don't know. Oh, God, like, when you put it that way, like 16 this. years ago. That's pretty <laughs> crazy. Fucking dumb. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So stupid. I would, I would say that knowing nothing about Jack Johnson's personality, I could only assume that he's the nicest person in the world because what other reason would teams have to continue bringing him in? Uh, but anyway, enough about a Colorado Avalanche defenseman in this Dallas Stars segment who every, he has such, such a commanding presence that every time he's even tangential to our topic, we have to talk about him for f- like five minutes. But anyway, a Dallas player that I want to shout out, uh, much like I shout out Jack Campbell last week, is Jake Ottinger, who in five games this season is a, has a 959 save percentage and a 126 goals against average, which are obviously unsustainable numbers. Uh, but I always really enjoy seeing goalie first-round picks reach their potential. And obviously, it's still early in Andre's career. 
Uh, but the way things are going so far, it looks like he could very well end up being, you know, a long-term starting goalie for the Dallas Stars. And f- for that stretch of time where there was the whole, you know, this goalie scare where it was like, oh, you don't want to draft a goalie in the first round because they might be bad. Because, like, I don't know, Jack Campbell was bad for the first seven years of his career. Um, but anyway, you know, you look through it, Vasilevsky, uh, Ilya Samsonov's doing okay, Carey Price, Tuka Rask, goaltending picking goalies in the first round who should go in the first round tends to have about the same success rate as all the other positions. And I, it feels like that's been happening in more and more in recent years. There was Ottinger, uh, there was Spencer Knight and Yaroslav Askarov, uh, Jesper Wallstead, Sebastian Kosa, all in these past couple of years all went in the top 20. And uh, I like to see it. I do remember though, specifically Jake Ottinger in 2017 in that draft. Ottawa, I think, was interested in him, and they had the 28th pick, and Dallas moved up from 29 to 26, jumping over Ottawa just to make sure they could get him. And uh, I guess that does kind of directly tie to Matt Murray getting put on waivers this week. Not That wasn't a segue. I wasn't trying to segue away from Dallas, but I, I just <laughs> thought it was kind of funny anyway. Damn, we should have saved that for, for maybe a couple of minutes. Uh, <laughs> maybe oh, it would have worked. Ah, uh, you blew it. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm just been spectacular. And for, for a team that, you know, they have four potential starting goalies um, that they've been trying to figure That's out. That's a bit generous, out maybe. Who's a good one. That's a bit generous. Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, you have Ben Bishop, who's injured to shit, uh, but he could be a starter. Uh, you have Kudobin, who's last year's starter. Um, Holtby, who kind of like started the year as the starter, and then you have Jake Ottinger. So you know, I counted as four. Would I call Braden Holtby a starter at this point in his career? Absolutely not. Um, but. Let's call it what it is. They've got four potential starting goalies, um, but you know the way Andre's been playing, I think you can you can already pick who's uh, who should be the front runner at this point. Who should be getting the bulk of the starts? I mean, Holby is has not looked good um, from what well, at least what I saw in the Arizona game. He kind of looked pretty pretty shaky out there, even though they end up winning that game. So uh, yeah, hand the reins over to Andre. He's young, but he's he's running the hot start, and there's no reason to uh, not give him that experience if he's performing this well. Yeah, and I also have to say, on the Dallas Stars, their home sweaters are probably my favorite in the NHL. Anyway, if you listen to our color draft a little while back, you'll remember that green is the greatest color that there is. And Dallas is, I th- are they the only team in the NHL with like green as the main color? They're at least the only one where it's that prominent and where it's that beautiful of a shade of green. It's just our colors are green and white, and it looks so nice. And I especially liked... Uh, when they played the Oilers, the way those colors on both jerseys complemented each other. So congratulations to whoever designed those sweaters, despite the fact that the logo still kind of looks like a toilet seat. Uh, from a distance, the jersey <laughs> itself is uh, quite beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. I think uh, the Wild have quite the green jersey as well, but it's not. I, oh, I would yes. side with the uh, the Stars shade of green. It, it's nice and popping um, and unique for the league. So that's, uh, I would agree. Pretty nice to watch on the ice. All right, so uh, anything else you want to mention on the Stars before we uh, wrap it up on Stars Week this week? Oh, we could touch a bit on that last game, uh, that 3-2 win over Arizona, uh, because there were two specific moments on like the Dallas goals that I thought were interesting. Uh, one of them was the second goal, where Alexander Radulov just four-checks the Arizona defense, but I don't remember who it was, and just made it look so easy, just like, and I'll take care of that, take it away, sets up the goal. Uh, that's a... That's a player who's, how old is he now? I think he's like 35 about, but it would appear that he's still got it, uh, which, you know, makes the Mark Bergevin's decision to let him go seem all that more stupid. That's, again, not a segue. 
Uh, and anyway, the other one was uh, Andre Sequeira. I don't know if you remember this specific play. I think it was the third Dallas goal. He kind of just deked around whatever Arizona four checker there was and uh, and set up the goal. And I was like, oh, yeah, Andre Sequeira. I remember he used to be like, you know, a skill guy who the Oilers signed to like a five-year contract with a 5.5 million AAV. So there are some, uh, some, what's the opposite of young guns? Old guns getting the job done for Dallas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was a very nice crossing pass, right? And then it was just like a tap-in for the goal. Um, yeah, I, I looked at that goal, and I was like, I didn't take away the Sekiro part. It was more, uh, wow, the Arizona Coyotes look fucking lost out there. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> each their own analysis, I guess. Um, but, yeah, and that one was actually the closest game. I think that was probably a scheduling thing um, based on the, the you know, they were on a back-to-back. They had just played the Avalanche the night before, and also their goalies, Braden Holtby. Um, but, uh yeah, they managed to pull it out against a team that they should be 10 times out of 10. So uh, good for them. Very nice. All right. Uh, speaking of Alexander Radulov, uh, Mark Bergevin let him go. Ao, And now Mark Bergevin himself has been let go. Ao. Wow. This Slam news. dunk. Crazy. Yeah, bam. Wow, what a great segue into uh, the biggest happiness news in... Actually, I don't know if it's even fair to say this is the biggest happiness news in a while because, like, the Kotkaniemi offer sheet got way more coverage than this, probably because partly because uh, we all saw this coming. This is obviously an end of a of an era in Montreal that was too long, decidedly. Uh, May 2012, so Mark Bergeron was hired, and uh, now he is no longer GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Trevor Timmins had been here even longer. Uh, he he's been head of amateur scouting since like 2005, I want to say, and a road the drafting of like Carey Price, Max Pacioretty, and P.K. Subban for 15 years, having absolutely nothing to show for it past 2008. Um, but he's he's gone now too. Scott Mellenby, another one who is gone, he resigned, assistant GM, uh, after apparently being told he was next in line to be GM, and then uh, Jeff Molson changed his mind or something like that, and he was like, all right, I'm dipping. So Jeff Molson, cleaning house. Uh, Jeff Gorton, comes in to be new president of hockey operations and i think sort of temporarily assume gm responsibilities while the search is on for a new one and what jeff molson said is jeff gordon and whoever the new gm is uh will kind of just share all hockey operations responsibilities they sort of just be a tag team and i mean well i guess we'll get into the specificities of whether that's a good idea or a bad idea and i guess it totally depends on who they bring in to be the gm but it's a it's an interesting thought anyway and Jeff Molson had a press conference this morning, actually, and he said a lot of the right things. You know, we need to be better at drafting, better at developing, and better at supporting our players to arrive at their potential. That there, that's that's one of the quotes. Uh, seems like, uh, well, it's better than the opposite of that, I guess. So I think it's fair to say, you know, uh, this cha- it was about time for this team to make these changes. Uh, and but on the other hand, it still doesn't really feel like like something Jeff Molson wanted to do or like a real firing considering all the buzz about how Mark Bergeron was probably going to leave anyway. He was just like, oh, he's going to leave. I guess I'll just pull the plug now. Yeah, and it's this kind of, uh, there's no, it doesn't feel like you're right, that there's a big desire for change. It was just like, ah, we're losing a shit ton. I guess the next thing to do with a sort of lame duck general manager is to fire him. Uh, I don't know if Jeff Molson was really that displeased. It didn't seem like he was that displeased with Mark Bergevin's performance, um, which if that's the case, he would be wrong about um, because Mark Bergevin 
did not accomplish anything good. Um, you can point to the Stanley Cup run last year, uh, but I believe firmly that it's a fluke. You look at the team that's, you know, and their performance in the regular season the last God knows how many years uh, has not been a playoff team. This team sucks shit over the 82 game seasons. Uh, and it was a matter of luck that they a lucked into the, you know, to the play in round two years ago and then lucked into the Canadian division with a bunch of horseshit teams last year. Uh, and yeah, this is his legacy, a bad team. Uh, and it was only a matter of time before he got fucking exposed like he did this season. Now, are they, are the Habs underperforming? Yeah, maybe a bit because they got a shit ton of injuries. Um, but that's what happens when your team is old as hell. Uh, and you know, relying on these overpaid veterans, this was, you know, this time was coming, you know, it was only a matter of time before they completely bottomed out because the team's no good. Uh, and you know, the defense never worked out. We kept talking about it and it finally fell through the floor. All right. The floor gave out. Everything's dog shit. All right. And yeah, that's what happens when you can't develop your prospect. You can't hit on a first round pick for God knows how many years, how many years, 12 years. I mean, you look at the, the list of first round picks that they've had that have been circulating on Twitter. It's a complete laughing stock. Um, they haven't been able to properly draft uh, or develop in forever. In forever. I mean, look at Cole Caulfield. Uh, you know, we're obviously cheering for him, but, you know, he's getting yo-yoed. Who knows what's going on? Matthias Norlander getting called up and getting, like, what, five minutes of ice time? Fucking stupid. Um, so, you know, this this organization needs a cleanse. Ducharme needs to go. He hasn't been fired. I think it's only a matter of time there. Um, and, yeah, the, the whole mindset has clearly been screwed. Like, you know, Trevor Timmons, he's been here since 2005, clearly hasn't changed his mindset since then either. Um, you know, like all these organizational moves, dinosaur shit, uh, hasn't shown any sort of modernity. And not only that, to top it all off, obviously we have the draft last year, drafting Logan Mayu, which was, you know, we talked about it then, uh, completely abhorrent. And so, yeah, it was time to go. And it was way too long. And frankly, I don't think they're very, uh, I would not vouch for their competence whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's that. That's the postmortem on the Bergevin Timmons era. Yeah, I'd say specifically for the Bergevin era, uh, it was well, it was a failure, uh, despite the fact they made the Stanley Cup final one time, uh, because really, we look at the big picture. He took a team that was on the upswing with a great young core of Carey Price, PK Subban, Max Pacioretty, and he had the third overall pick fall into his lap, uh, and he turned it into what it is today, uh, which is you know a team that's just just straight up bad. I want to read the tweet from Action the Fooleman because I thought this summarized things pretty well. Mark Bergeron may not have won a cup as GM of the Habs, but did the team show progress under him? Well, no. But did the team's long-term outlook improve under his guidance? Also, no. But did he at least conduct himself with the highest standards of integrity? Actually, no, he didn't. And that's the tweet. I want to go through uh, the 2000 since 2010, how many Habs draft picks have played over 200 NHL games. Uh, and I want you to guess... How many of them there are? Draft picks in general since 2010. Um, yeah. Ooh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's that's many draft picks we're talking about. Uh, if we say there's about seven every year, um, that's uh, 70, 70 draft picks, give or take. Um, I'm going to say uh, you should probably have like 10. And that's All right. low. Here's your list. Here's your list. Brennan Gallagher. Yep. Nathan Beaulieu, who was traded for a third-round pick before reaching his potential, which ended up amounting to nothing. Alex Galchenyuk. 
who, you know, is at 591 NHL games played, which is insane that he's played over 500 <laughs> games to me. Uh, anyway, who lives on on the team currently in the form of Josh Anderson. So I guess maybe you can make the argument that's not a total failure. We're at three. Next up, we got Sven Andragetto, who was, of course, infamously traded for Andreas Martinson in 2017. Uh, Arturi wow. Lekkinen, he's still around. Jakob Delarose, uh, lost on waivers. Um, then Victor Mete, also infamously lost on the waivers. And finally, Mikhail Sergachev, uh, traded for Jonathan Drouin, of course. Isberry Kakanyemi is only nine games away from joining that group, so you could count him if you want. But I believe, even if you do count him, that is uh, nine players, which is just bottom of the barrel in terms of drafting over the past 11 years. That's completely embarrassing. I mean, that were that 200 games with the Habs or 200 NHL games total? Oh, total. Not with the Habs. So that's that's even worse. Not only that, you know, those players, uh, nobody really stands out aside from, like, Gallagher. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, other Sergeyev, guys, you know, maybe. what's this? Sergachev, sure. But, you know, then again, what is he at this point? Uh, second pair defenseman. Um, you know, solid top four guy. But nothing spectacular, really. I mean, after that is what, Lekkonen, who's fine. Um so yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's part, you know, a drafting the talent or, or therefore a lack of talent, um, but then not completely flopping the development year after year, prospect after prospect. It's like they never learned anything. It's like, you know, they took no accountability for their continued failures. And I guess they blamed it on the prospect. So, um, and said, oh, well, it's their fault that it didn't pan out. No, any sort of self introspection uh, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's truly remarkable how they have been. Yeah, it, it it's no wonder that the organization is in the state that the state that it's in, um, in terms of its current on ice product. Because uh, for ten years you've been doing nothing in terms of drafting and development. Now you know you have a nice little trade here or there, get a few nice pieces, and what does that amount you to? Mediocrity year in year out, and that's what the Habs have been. There's as I've said before, no Stanley Cup contention window for this team. Um, there won't be for a while and because there's no sustained success because there's no sustained talent on this roster. Um, so, you know, they, yeah. They, and if we can transition to Jeff Gordon now for a second, I think it's a solid hire. Uh, I think it's pretty funny, at least the way I see it, is that, you know, Gordon is clearly not a Francophone. And so, you know, you avoid the French general manager criteria by what is he? He got the the vice president of hockey operations title, um, but he's basically acting as a general manager. So nice little maneuver by Jeff Molson there um, to, to avoid those rabid dogs uh, chasing for a Francophone GM. Um, but uh, yeah, so I assume moving forward that whoever the GM is going to be um, probably going to have less power than Gordon. I assume, you know, he'll, he'll take the lead on things. And so he'll be more or less more of a, especially more of a spokesperson um, for the team that can speak French compared to, you know, Bergevin, who was, uh, who I don't think, I don't, Wait, his title was general manager and uh, some other higher and office. President of hockey title, right? Okay, there we go. So, um, you know, I, I assume that he'll have significantly less power than Bergman than you, you guy, whoever he is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, especially if the new GM is one of these uh, inexperienced names is getting thrown around, like Matthew Darsh or Danny Briere or Roberto Luongo. You imagine Roberto Luongo all of a sudden is GM of the halves. That'd just be totally insane to me. But anyway, so funny. Uh, whoever it is. <laughs> If it's, uh, if it is, which it appears like it's probably going to be a GM with very little front office experience, Jeff Gordon probably has even more control, and the GM probably is there 
as you know the the French mouthpiece, whereas Jeff Gordon is maybe pulling a lot of the strings behind the actual hockey 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 ops moves. Uh, and I don't mind that. I think Jeff Gordon did a, a pretty good job in New York. Although, as we kind of mentioned, when Jeff Gordon was fired back in May as GM of the Rangers, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on how good he actually was because of how many players just wanted to go there. Artemi Panarin, Adam Fox, it was just kind of like, oh, I really want to go to New York. And Jeff Gordon was like, glad to have you, superstar, I guess. And going through his track record, it's like, yeah, it's okay. But, you know, he won lotteries. He got star players. Kind of lucky. And, you know, no one's really banging down the door, or at least no stars are banging down the door to come play in uh, in Montreal. So I'm curious, I guess, to see how his uh, relative success in New York translates. Yeah, I mean, he's he has big market experience, at least. Um, but what I want to see, what I'll be keeping tabs on is really uh, how does the development change? How does the development culture change in Montreal? Um, because, yeah, that's been a huge part of the problem. I mean, transactions is one thing. Bergevin was, you know, all right at that in terms of trades and whatnot. Um, obviously, the signings of bad defensemen uh, was something we railed on for a while. Um, but, you know, it's it's really the development, the drafting, that uh, I think will will determine if this organization if this organization can turn it around in the coming years, um, because that's been their downfall, right? They, they have like practically no in-house talent at this point. Uh, and uh, that's, that's not setting yourself up for success at all. And uh, I assume moving forward next couple of years, you can call for a rebuild this trade deadline. I think Gordon's going to be busy selling off a bunch of guys, including, uh, you know, Ben Sherratt. It's probably the headliner out of them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rebuild time in Montreal clearly because uh, you know, you, if, you, if anyone deluded themselves with the Stanley Cup final uh, run last year, that mirage is now over. This roster is uh, bad. Even if they had everybody healthy, it would still stink. Did you see what Elliot Friedman said? I think it was like two weeks ago on 31 Thoughts. Uh, he said, I think Jeff Merrick asked, like, do you think the Canadians could get a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt? And he was like, yeah, pretty sure they, they could. And it was just like, yeah. Mark, at the time, Mark, what, what are you waiting for? Ben Sherratt had like such an inflated value after last year's Stanley Cup run. They're like, oh, the team went far and this guy was on the ice for a lot of it? Well, he must be good then. And apparently there are teams who are willing to give up a first-round pick. And unless, you know, there's some sort of crazy, you know, Ben Sherratt relative, hasn't been, relatively speaking, a dark spot on the Canadians this year. Like he's been Ben Chirot, like he was what he was last year, which isn't great. Uh, but you know, you can live with him. And so I don't see a reason why that offer still wouldn't be there on deadline day. A desperate, you know, playoff team who wants to bolster the defense. Uh, maybe Jeff Gordon will be able to, would be able to get a first round pick for Ben Chirot. Yeah, absolutely. And why not sell as early as possible? If you can, you know, get a, get a good offer there. If you get a first round pick for Ben fucking Sherratt, uh, he of you know notorious clownery, um, then uh, j- I say jump on that offer uh, because you know as overvalued as they are, you don't want to miss the boat um, because uh, there's no chance where like you know you hold the guy and maybe you resign him next year and it works out. No, it doesn't. Get the hell out of here with this guy uh, and uh, get as much as you can. And whatever it will be, if it's a first round pick, it's a highway robbery. There's, there's just no debating it. Um, the ceiling on Ben Sherratt is low as the floor. All right? 
It's not there. <laughs> all right. He just plays big and tough and that's it. That's it. He doesn't offer much, honestly. Um, as far as I see it, obviously certain people disagree, certain general managers disagree, but if I'm the Habs, I'm shipping this guy out as fast as possible. And I'm saying, Hey teams, you want to get on him now? He'll be on your roster for longer. He can get adjusted. He'll be ready for the playoff run, whatever. Um, then if that inflates the price, go for it. No, no fucking just sell every, everybody and anything at this point, honestly. Um, any old guys, anybody who's remotely resembling a veteran, send them out, get the, get the assets. I don't give a fuck anymore. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's time to turn it over, right? This 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 organization needs a complete reset. Um, but, yeah, especially starting with Ben Sherratt. I mean, it would be nice if they moved off of that, you know, gritty defenseman old guy uh, who's big and can hit and, like, clear the front of the net. Um, that's, that's a first step for the Habs in terms of roster construction. I hope you do realize when talking about how low Ben Chirot's ceiling is, that he is tied for third in goals on the Montreal Canadiens with four. How dare you slander wow. offensive defense in Ben Chirot. And looking at this page, by the way, I'm on a Cana- the Montreal Canadiens' official website. On the stats stats page, everyone is like, you know, the first initial and the last name, J.Anderson, T.Toffoli. But for some reason, Hoffman is Mr.Hoffman, just Mr. Hoffman. <laughs> Wait, wait, nice. wait. It's just, oh, it's just, oh, 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 I know what it is. Because it's the same thing. It says Mr. Perot, Mr. Pizzetta, Mr. Norlander. And I think I know why. I think it's because this tra- this page was translated from French. And in French, Monsieur would just be, you know, M. <laughs> and so when you translate it into English, it says Mr. <laughs> oh, my God. That's such, a, that's such a stupid fucking mistake. That's, so, that's some serious <laughs> official team Mr. page <laughs> vibes from the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. so dumb <laughs> that's so dumb it's not inaccurate though you can't say it's inaccurate because technically uh, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. are mr norlanders and mr hoffman's um but it's it's so fucking stupid that uh what if they know, just had that for every really player on the stats page it was just like <laughs> mr suzuki mr dvorak <laughs> the most redundant waste of web page space <laughs> in the history of everything oh yeah. man God, that's hilarious. That's that's a great catch. Just so you know, great these catch. are all men. Thank you. <laughs> wow. This, all right. Well, I, we got some background into how the Habs make their website, I guess. They default to French and then run it through Google fucking Translate. So Is anyone it, it's good to, and And nobody does a proofreading. <laughs> oh, man. A plus. A plus. Some yeah, HTML shit. Right. Uh, I want to because of course um, I want to mention whenever there's you know a Montreal job search like this, uh, the language question comes into play, and people all around the world start going, "Oh, it's so crazy that Montreal needs to hire someone who can speak French to the French media." And I even had thought that way in the past, and I still do understand that way. I think where it's like you know you're narrowing your pool, just like hire a translator or something. But Andrew Berkshire brought up an interesting point. That was like, whenever everyone's talking about Montreal narrowing the pool, uh, they really seem to care a lot about narrowing the pool in terms of language and not as much about all the ways that all the teams narrow the pool to hockey men. And it's like every time there's a new job, we hear the same three names. And it's like relative to all the narrowing that teams do to themselves, they don't have to just being like, all right, who has experience or whatever, or who's my good buddy? Uh, the language barrier that Montreal imposed on themselves is so, so small compared to that. And he even said that, you know, if you wanted to 
you know, just focus on uh, francophone or bilingual candidates for the job, but expanded the search beyond, you know, normal hockey men or even, you know, these freshly retired players like Roberto Luongo and Danny Briere and Matthew Darsh are relatively freshly and expanded it, you know, into other demographics, into women. No one ever talked about any women for these jobs. Then all of a sudden, you're probably looking at a wider pool of candidates than any other team is when they're looking for GMs. Yeah, absolutely. If you just frank, you know, narrowed it to those, you know, a broader base of francophone people um, to to draw from, you would have uh, a lot of people to choose from. But that's the problem. Uh, the Habs don't seem to be interested in any sort of uh, expanding, progressive expansion in that sense at all. And yeah, what do you do now? You take, you know, they're hiring from the hockey men. Jeff Gordon is inherently a hockey man, and then uh, and then in terms of general managers, uh, you're just you know slicing it into French hockey men, which uh, is obviously not going to be nearly as many. Um, so, you know, that is the problem. If, if they were, you know, more open to different backgrounds um, to hire for their, you know, executive positions, we wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be having this conversation because, you know, they'd hire somebody fucking competent for once, you know, instead of limiting themselves to like French people who are fine. Um, but you never really find a superstar because the pool is so small of French hockey men that like, you know, okay, like who, how many are there really? Like Julian Breezeball is real good, but oh, you missed out on him. And now what? You know, you got to settle for somebody. Um, yeah, that's the problem. The, the problem is, right, you narrow it down this much and you'll continuously get bad results. And then you look at the process and then, you you know, you're like, well, maybe the process is shit. Um, so, you know, it's the Habs don't seem to want to counter their, you know, self-imposed narrowing of the candidate pool. Uh, they don't want to counter it in any sort of way. And so they're too conventional and uh, too monolithic. And this is what it leads to. It's like you're talking about four guys who are all have like identical backgrounds. And like, you know, Danny Briere, Matthew Jarsh, they both give identical vibes, you know, exactly identical vibes, you know, hat. You know, players, French Canadian players who were fine, who had good careers. Danny Briere was pretty good. They both had, you know, stints on the Habs. Very, very cool. Um, but if you're narrowing your pool down to like three, four people, it's not going to work out. You're not, the odds you're going to find a superstar are slim to none. So, uh, yeah, the hiring process in Montreal clearly needs a revamp, whether it is, you know, it, it just needs expansion in general. And that's for all hockey teams, honestly. But the Habs in particular, because of this French thing, um, it becomes especially narrow and they don't seem to want to expand it at all. Mm. Um, speaking just in terms of entertainment value uh, from the objective standpoint, which Hall of Fame goalie would you prefer Montreal hires to be a GM? Roberto Luongo or Patrick Waugh? <laughs> or Martin Brodeur? Anybody want <laughs> to throw his name into the candidate ring? Um, I mean, oof. For for entertainment purposes, look for likability purposes. I think you have to go with Luongo because he seems to just be a funny guy in general. The vibes are pretty good with Roberto Luongo. Um, you know, you could get the two in one if you hire Raw. I I don't think the the uh, the lifespan of him as a general manager is very long. Um, he seems like the type to like seriously flame out fast. Um, a because he rubs people the ball wrong way, or B because he stinks at it. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, I would be inclined to pick Wa just because you could be like, well, if he doesn't work out, you could probably hire Luongo in a couple of years if he isn't stamped up by another team. But uh, just based on vibes, I would pick Luongo. So final answer, I think it would just be more fun if Luongo was a general manager. 
Yeah, it would decidedly be, be more just because like that's like maybe the last name I would have thought of as a potential player who would want to work in a front office at all. Like he was, this was the guy who like the, had like the first ever like player Twitter account, Strombone. He would like tweet jokes or whatever. And when he retired, he was like, uh, be like, all right, going to the retirement home in Florida. <laughs> Finally going to relax or whatever. Now all of a sudden he's like, he's it's that's only been a couple of years. He's really not that old. He's going to, you know, be the the guy making all the decisions for, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, most storied franchise, whatever you want to say. You know, walking up to the podium, making the picks for Montreal is like this goalie who I so vividly remember <laughs> them playing against like five years ago. It's kind of insane. Yeah. And maybe this is the type of thing that starts to happen more as you get older. Like you start to recognize more front office people, more coaches as like players you remember watching. but. This Luongo case, partly because it was so recent and partly because of his personality, just just seems so odd that he would be in the mix for this. Yeah, I think this is an exception. I think it's one thing, you know, like, okay, I recognize this player from all the way back when, but this is not all the way back when. This is like yesterday uh, for Roberto Luongo. I mean, uh, when was his, when did his contract finally come off the books? It feels like we were still fucking talking about it the other day. Um, but, uh, you know, so... And also, yeah, the personality thing is a bit jarring because, like... He's not the type, Mr. Like, you know, the, the NHL meme lord of like 2014. Um, don't expect him to go into the suit and tie front office world. Exactly. Uh, so it's it's a confluence of, of circumstances, I think. And uh, yeah, it's just it, it would be quite the uh, meteoric rise eh, if he uh, became the general manager kind of out of nowhere. Because like, what has he been doing the last few years? Has he been really just as chilling at the retirement home? Like I, he just kind of like popped up on the timeline at once. You know, Bergevin got fired. I'm like, what the fuck? All right, we're just throwing out Quebecois like household hockey names out there. Is that what the deal is? But apparently, you know, Jonathan Huberdo. Yeah, why the fuck not at this point? I mean, Alexi Lafreniere. I mean, you might as well get his name in the ring while you're at it. You know, it's uh, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. And I, and I hope he gets the job. I think that'd be fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's definitely the the guy I'm rooting for. Speaking of Dallas trading up to draft Jake Ottinger, Matt Murray was put on waivers this week. Uh, how, how was that for a segue? No laugh, no reaction? C minus, C minus, C minus. You, you oh, reached Mark too far. Come on. That yeah, come on. You got it. It was. <laughs> I was you 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 drew it back too far. I was like that was like twenty minutes ago, man. Come on, yeah, uh, yeah. but it was it was a that solid was one. Joke. Okay, okay, all right, fine. I'll bump it up to a B plus. Pretty good. So yeah, let's. <laughs> Matt Murray's all waivers. Uh, what is he? Two years into this fucking twenty five million dollar deal that he signed a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, that's not working out well. And uh, who could have saw that coming? Uh, yeah, he's just he's not a good goalie. He's not an NHL goalie, and. Uh, it was a mistake when they signed him, and everybody kind of knew it. And lo and behold, it's funny how these contracts work out. Oh, what? He's shit, and you're signing him to a big, expensive contract. What do you know? He's all waivers in less than like halfway through the contract. Who who could have foreseen this? Matt Murray had such a weird career arc, and like I, I obviously, I, like I saw it coming that he would be bad. Still, I didn't see it coming that Ottawa would admit defeat on this so quickly. I thought they would be like, oh, no, he'll he'll work it out or whatever. But but no, it would seem that either they've given up to or they're like, oh, maybe he just needs to go back to the minors to regain his confidence, which is a weird thing to say. Because, like, the the standpoint on Matt Murray has changed so much. And he, he has such a weird, the weirdest career arc. So drafted in 
the third round in 2012. Uh, you know, uh, plays a little more in, in the minors. Plays, yeah, he plays in junior, played in the minors. Works his way up to the NHL, where he played 13 solid games at the end of the regular season in 15-16, and then led the Penguins to the Stanley Cup. The next year, 16-17, he, uh, he you know, is in tandem with Marc-Andre Fleury and plays about half the games in the playoffs again that year to lead them to the Stanley Cup. And that one was his rookie season. So he had uh, won two Stanley Cups uh, before he was done his rookie season. Or, well, you know, the second Stanley Cup in his rookie season. Next year, he drops off to a 907 save percentage. Uh, then the next year, it's a 919. And then in the 1920 season, that got cut short of COVID. Uh, he was an 899, and Tristan Jari stole the starting job from him. And that was, uh, who was the other goalie that was, besides Fleury, was there someone else? Yeah, after Fleury left, yeah, Fleury left after 2017. Oh, uh, yeah, then he dropped off to the 907, 919, 899. Uh, and then they were like, yeah, we have Murray, we have Jari, we only have the cap space for one. We'll trade the guy with the Stanley Cup pedigree, Matt Murray, to Ottawa, who says, we think he's going to bounce back despite his bad season. And he's been uh, even worse in Ottawa, an 8.93 last year and an 8.90 in six games this year. And his cap hit is uh, 6.25 million. So Matt Murray, after breaking onto the scene and immediately being a star at the age of about like 22 or 23, uh, now is 27 years old and decidedly below NHL caliber for about two and a half years now. Yeah, it certainly is a weird career arc. And uh, yeah, he's not an NHL starter anymore. He's not even an NHL backup caliber, honestly. Um, belongs in the AHL. And I think, you know, part of it is uh, he was kind of hung out to dry. Like if he was ever going to have a career bounce back, it certainly was not going to happen in Ottawa with that roster. I mean, he really wasn't given a chance. Uh, and, you know, when you add all that together, there really wasn't any sort of hope for success for this guy. I mean, uh, I mean, good for him for cashing in on that check uh, for that 25 mil. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I could have I can absolutely see a situation in which he, you know, goes to a good team, maybe, or, you know, stays with Pittsburgh if they choose him over Jari. Uh, not that that would be the advisable choice. But uh, if that had happened, I think there's maybe more of a chance that he can get his game together uh, and whatever confidence that he has. Uh, but I think it's completely shot now. Uh, and, you know, public perception of him is obviously uh, terrible. And, you know, everybody knows he's bad. And, you know, there's the, the roster in front of him doesn't really allow him to get any better. And so he's just kind of the same goalie year in, year out. There's no sort of progression. There's no chance for progression. Uh, and he just gets uh, older and worse. And uh, here you are, the Ottawa Senators. Good for them for quitting on it early. Um, you know, NHL teams, you know, they find it hard to do that sometimes because the optics or whatever, or the cash money has been invested, the sunk cost the fallacy. But uh, yeah, but uh, so yeah, that that's that's Murray. Maybe he can pull together his career and finish it out as a backup somewhere after this contract's up. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's no he he needs a better surrounding cast if he wants any hope of uh, you know, being NHL backup caliber at any point. Yeah, you know, after Matt Murray's traded to Ottawa, everyone was going, oh, that's probably a bad idea for Ottawa to... I, I don't know if people criticized the trade as much because it was only one bad year at the time. What they criticized was the contract. Four years times $6.25 which placed him, you know, among the highest paid goalies in the NHL, or at least around guys that were clearly better than him, such as, I don't know, Connor Hellebuck. 
And he was like, what has he done besides win two Stanley Cups several years ago to earn this? And the answer was not much. And they had, you know, they had Philip Gustafson, who they still have, who's probably what they're hoping be the goalie of the future. And Matt Shogard is another option there. They, they have some pretty decent goaltending prospects. And it just feels like, what were you expecting that you were going to like contend right away? And that's why you went out and got Matt Murray uh, because you weren't going to. Uh, and it just feels like, man, get someone who's like a stopgap and not someone that you're committing all these assets to for the next four years uh, to, you know, hold it over until Philip Gustafson's ready to take the reins and don't commit so much to this unproven guy who you probably don't even want to be your long-term starter anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems like there was no foresight whatsoever with this. Um, and I think that's, you know, characteristic of the Senators. I mean, you have, you know, your when your long-term plan is... Uh, contention like you've never seen before in three years even though our team sucks shit right now um it doesn't you know provide much hope and that's what you get you want to compete in three years so you you know buy an expensive goalie who doesn't have a proven track record for four years um so yeah in that sense it's like clear that you know their organization is a complete mess and this is your result right you sign a guy who you know frankly did not have a solid track record of being a really good nhl goaltender his track record was a couple playoff runs when he was a rookie right and you're given all that money and you know even like the timeline doesn't fucking make any sense because four years what the hell are you doing with four years right like like what best case scenario he's he's he lives up to the contract and you get to your contending window and you have to give him a raise right because you know presumably your prospects are developing and you know and that takes a few years and what you're you're a couple years into a window and that's like the most optimistic route and then you got to give him some more money uh and but that's very unlikely too and clearly it didn't pan out right so you know in in that sense the logic didn't make sense at signing matt murray and to that you know level of money yeah if you want to sign him to you know stop gap is fine right you need stop gaps in, in rebuilds right uh and who knows maybe you'll hit a gem but to commit and that number of years just is baffling to me um it's uh yeah it was it was set up for failure right and that's that's an organizational thing it's clear that the sends and they continue to do it i mean they take yet another step back this year i think they're last in the league right now in the standings worse than the coyotes it's like it's it's a fucking mess, right? And they haven't figured out their goaltending. They're locked up to his cap. It's like this is what happens a few years down the road. It bites you in the ass, and uh, that contention window is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, I did not realize Ottawa had fallen off that much. I'm checking right. Are they actually below Arizona in the standings? Um, I'm, I'm Arizona points percentage two thirty eight, and Ottawa's two thirty seven. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, Arizona did end up winning a couple of games. They're at four wins now. So I think they are well over the 20-point pace that they initially were at. Uh, but they are still at a, uh, you know, below the 250, which means they're on pace for, like, less than 40 points, I think. Uh, just like Ottawa, on pace for less than 40 points. Uh, so that's pretty bad. And it appears that the Matt Murray contract, as we all kind of predicted, has come back to bite the Ottawa Senators. And speaking of things biting Ottawa Senators... I'll there we go! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> he got it. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brandon Lemieux bit Brady Kachuk. Um, <laughs> unless you listen to Jonathan Quick, in which case maybe he didn't. Uh, here's a meme from Ui Uhaha. Uh, and on top, it's <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure this is um based off something, although I don't know what. On the top, it says the myth of getting bit, and getting bit is in quotations. And at the bottom, it says, "Isn't there somebody you forgot to ask?" And the left is a picture like with speech bubbles. And Brady Kachuk is saying, ouch. And Brendan Lemieux is saying, chomp, chomp. And Jonathan Quick is saying, nothing happened. 
Yeah, so uh, let's let's get to the incident at hand, and then we could talk about uh, Quick's nonsensical denial. Um, not sure what that's about, but uh, yeah, they're in a little scrum, uh, and uh, you know, Kachuk and Lemure are going at it, and uh, you know, Brendan Lemure, in his infinite wisdom, decides to fucking bite Brady Kachuk's hand not once, I believe, but twice. Um, I think I saw someone analyze it and there's like, he bit the first time, Brady, Kachuk was like, what the fuck did you just bite my hand? And then he went in for a second taste. Uh, and you know, it's just completely fucking bonkers. I mean, this guy's, this guy's, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Biting people. I mean, that's, I mean, he's appropriately called in for an in-person hearing at this point. Uh, this is... You know, you know, hockey and hockey can do shit that you can't typically do out in the open world, um, especially the way the game is called now. But, you know, this is fucking Neanderthal behavior here. What the fuck is he pulling? I don't know what went through his little tiny brain. Clearly, he isn't the smartest, but uh, completely bonkers. I wanted to bring up one of our very early fusion episodes pre-COVID. It's called Spitting versus Licking. And we talked about yes. we talked about Garnet Hathaway getting a three game suspension for spitting on Eric Goodbranson, and we compared it to Brad Marchand just getting like a stern talking to from the NHL after licking Tampa Bay Lightning it was Ryan Callahan and someone else like twice in a row or something, and we were like, what's the big difference between these two things besides that it's Brad Marchand and Garnet Hathaway? And one of them is nothing, and one of them is a three game suspension. And I was theorizing, like, oh, maybe spitting is, like, Justine is more culturally disrespectful, whereas licking is, like, an act of affection or, I don't know, all these things. <laughs> but but biting, biting is so much worse because, <laughs> A, okay, so obviously, you know, the, the transfer of saliva is, is gross and dangerous, especially during a pandemic, uh, which is still ongoing. And also, that hurts. Like, that's that's just... That just brings you pain. It's aggressive, like like a punch. Except honestly, if you, I, I would probably rather get like punched in the shoulder than bitten by Brennan Lemieux in the shoulder. That probably hurts <laughs> a lot. And he drew blood too. That was like Ugh. like a bite from like a bite from like animals will bite you and draw blood because you know they use animal instincts. Like what person is being like, I'm gonna pretend your shoulder is a hamburger. Like no one's doing that. Uh, you. <laughs> You pulled up the uh, the Brady Kachuk quote about Brendan Lemieux. Do you have it there? I think I think you should read it because it's very worth reading. Right. I remember this is the guy who uh, hosted Watch Your Tone with Tony D'Angelo, who's like Tony <laughs> D'Angelo's only friend. So that should maybe give you an idea to begin with about this guy's character. Yeah, and it's clearly reflected uh, in what Brady Kachuk thinks of him. All right, this is the one time I'm going to answer this. It was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This guy, you can ask any one of his teammates. Nobody ever wants to play with him. This guy is a bad guy and a bad teammate. He focuses on himself all the time. The guy is just a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. This guy is gutless. No other team wants him. He's going to keep begging to be in the NHL, but no other team wants him. He's an absolute joke. I can't even wrap my head around it. (laughs) I love love it so much better. I love hearing you read it out loud because yeah. when you read it out loud, you can really get a sense of the fact that he's just rambling and rambling trying <laughs> to come up with more ways to say he's a terrible person. And I saw, I think Matthew Kachuk was asked to make a comment about what his brother Brady had said. And all he said was, he's not wrong. 
<laughs> Ooh, nice little word of support. Uh, anyways, I'll finish the quote. People don't even do this. He's just a bad guy. It's outrageous. Kids don't even do that anymore. Babies do that. I don't even know what he was thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player. But what a joke he is. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he even mentioned really. He referred to the biting in that whole quote maybe a, maybe a couple times when he's like, kids don't even do that anymore. Um, but he really, he really dug into Brendan Lemire's character, and uh, appropriately so. So, uh, it, it gave quite the quote there. It's pretty spectacular, and hats off to Brady Kachuk for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, it puts a new perspective into things when you consider this is probably the most important thing Brady Kachuk has done as captain of the Ottawa Senators so far. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean the bar was low, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the the ultimate public statement. A plus, uh, and yeah, if we're talking track. about. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Come on, give me that mixtape. Um, but yeah, you go back to that biting versus spitting versus licking. I mean, it's one thing. Yeah, it causes the pain, which makes it worse. But like, think about it. You're trying to fucking eat the other person, right? Like, that's the message you're trying to send. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you're you're like you know that's that shit you do when you're trying to eat a fucking chicken leg or like as you said a hamburger. <laughs> um, it's so absurd. All right, and he. Oh my god! Like, you, how old yeah, is this fucking guy? Like, is he twenty five? Going out fucking biting people, bro? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I guess when you really think about it, when you're biting someone, the message you're sending is like, "I want to swallow your flesh." <laughs> yeah, it's fucking gross. He's engaging in cannibalism, borderline over here. Um, somebody arrest this man. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's fucking insane. Um, that uh, I mean, okay, so. What now? Moving on. What? How many games do you think he gets? Because like now he's eligible for any number at this point. Um, how hard All do right. you think they they go down on Brendan Lemieux for fucking biting a guy? All right, Hathaway got three for spitting. Brendan Lemieux's dad is Claude Lemieux, so I'm gonna say two games. <laughs> there we go. Uh, just like that, he's cracked the formula uh, for how the NHL. Uh, <laughs> hands out it's a uh, player safety suspensions um yeah all right that's uh you know, i don't know i'm Brendan lemieux also just one more thing uh, that i just thought yeah. of i remember and he was drafted in 2014 uh 31st overall which is the first pick of round two by buffalo and I, that was like about where he was projected to go and i remember because i was only 12 years old at the time seeing this quote afterward that Brendan lemieux was like shocked and disappointed he wasn't drafted in the first round and even at the time, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way that, like, a player would say something like that. Like, I mean, like, I, I'm, you know, you can be like, oh, I felt like, you know, I deserved it or whatever, even privately think that. But to be, he, it was very, whatever, I, I'd be interested to find the exact quote because it was very, like, um, you know, like he was actually hurt and surprised by it and was like, oh, those other teams are genuinely stupid for passing up on me, Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, he's seriously, he's so fucking petulant. That's the vibes he gives. You know, you give this little little, little incident, uh, the Watch Your Tone podcast, and then other assorted things. Yeah, the appropriate word, I think, is petulant. He's a little child, all right? And, uh, yeah, he put it best. Kids don't even do that, as Brady Kachek would even say. Um, and that goes for a lot of things that Brendan Lemieux does. So, uh, yeah, this guy's... Uh, he shouldn't be in the league. He's not even, he's not even talented. That's the thing. Like, there's... There's no excuse for it at this point. Get the hell out of the guy. He's like a fourth liner. He's a scrub fourth liner still. He's like, you know, that barely first round pedigree because he was drafted as such. Um, but oh. uh, 
yeah, that's that. I gotta say, I found an article. I found an article. There we go. Uh, there we go. I don't know when this was initial. Oh yeah, published June 28, 2014. So like right after the draft. But it says updated March 29, 2019. I don't know what the update was. But this is on NJ.com. It's an article. Claude Lemieux. Devils made a mistake not taking son Brendan in first round of NHL draft. Would you like me to read this? Yeah, please. Indulge the listeners. Claude Lemieux thinks the Devils made a bad decision by failing to take his son Brendan with the 30th overall pick. At the end of the first round of NHL Entry Draft Friday night, Buffalo Sabres took uh, with first pick of round two, number 31. You've got to respect their view and their choice, Claude Lemieux said of the Devils. I think they made a mistake, but it's good for Buffalo, and time will tell. He said Brendan was hoping to be a first rounder. He was definitely disappointed. He was crushed last night, Claude said. It wasn't from what I said, but from all the interviews they do at the Combine. Sometimes they are misleading for a lot of kids who think this team told me they'd take me in the first round if I'm there. Now Brendan has added motivation. Sometimes that can be a blessing. When you're a first round pick, sometimes it's too much, Claude said. He's the kind of kid that puts a lot of pressure on himself. He's very proud. Maybe a first round pick would have put too much pressure on him. You've got to <laughs> look at it that way. And then it goes beautiful, on for a beautiful bit. 180, Claude. <laughs> Excellent 180 by Claude. He just really went from I'm pissed that uh, the Devils you know made a mistake. First of all, spoiler: alert, they did not make a mistake not drafting Brendan Lemieure. But also, well, they did Brendan like, instead, so that didn't work out so great. But it didn't work out either Brendan way. Lemieux, yeah, nothing is better than the vibes that Brendan Lemieux gives, um, which is uh, <laughs> biter. I mean, what Quenville? I don't know where the fuck Quenville is. He's probably off in Europe somewhere. Uh, but. Uh, you know, um, it beats it beats paying money to Brendan Lemire to bite somebody's fucking hand off. I'll tell oh, you that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yep. I got I got the Brendan Lemire quote. Um, oh, here's God. what it was. I was disappointed. I expected to be a first round pick and never really looked at the second round. But that being said, <laughs> things have a way of working out. I think it could be a blessing in disguise that I had to wait it out. That was I expected to be a first round pick and never really looked at the second round. That's just so insane to me, especially considering I remember so vividly that he was he was that he was a fringe first round guy. It wasn't a surprise that he slipped. What a, what, what an insane comp. What what a dumb quote. Um, but uh, yeah, this guy's head is so far up his ass. Um, <laughs> there's no awareness whatsoever. I mean, how do you not look at the draft boards and see that you're you know sticking around there? Maybe the teams tell you nice things to your face. Um, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. read the room, read the fucking room. Uh, I have one so more quote. Bad. Yep. I have one more uh, quote. Hits keep uh, Brendan, Lemieux, hits keep Brendan Lemieux talking about his dad. He said, I'm proud of the way he played and how hated he was. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's some interesting insight into Brendan Lemieux's psyche. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that, that lines up with everything else we know about him. I'd say. Sure does. All right. All right. Well, enough on Brendan Lemieux. Uh, is it time for this week's draft? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to? You want to introduce our listener suggested concept? Yeah, I sure would. So we got an Instagram DM from a uh, listener and friend. You know who you are if you're listening. Thank you for this great idea. Uh, to essentially try to draft the worst team possible. Uh, to make graphics and defend why we took the worst thing of that category and try to build the worst team. And the category 
that we have selected is vegetables. And that was Taisei's suggestion, so I have to credit him for that. But I think it works out very well because many people don't like vegetables to begin with, so it should be pretty easy to draft some bad ones. Perfect, right. So uh, I think we've agreed. Okay, so I think we're going six rounds like we usually do. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the goal, to be clear, is to draft the worst vegetables. Um, worst team wins to kind of switch it yeah. up out here. So uh, I think I won the last draft, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yes. that gives you worst pick privileges if you would like to Excellent. proceed, unless you want to say anything else before we begin. Yeah, before we get started, I just want to say, uh, can we not get all, you know, pretentious about the definition of vegetables? Be like, oh, that's a that's a legume or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Everything that's Absolutely. sort of like everything with vegetable vibes is a vegetable. Yeah. We're going with vibes. Okay, I agree. We're, we're Absolutely. on the same page. Go ahead. Uh, although... Um, I don't think this applies to my first pick, Brussels sprouts. Okay. The absolute worst, not only vegetable, probably the worst fruit that there is. Uh, in fact, they are so bad that they are known all around for being bad. Uh, that's the first thing kids learn about Brussels sprouts is that they're gross. Before I even knew what a Brussels sprout was, I knew that it was gross. And then when I did end up trying it, I was like, yeah, that sure checks out. What I think of when I think of Brussels sprouts is that scene uh, from Victorious where Andre is being interviewed to be on a reality show. And they're like, oh, what's something you like? He's like, that's easy. I love music. What's something you hate? Oh, I hate Brussels sprouts. And then they go, well, what if there was a really great song about Brussels sprouts? And he undergoes this existential crisis because he can't decide what he was like. Oh, I would probably, <laughs> uh, well, I'd, uh... and he can't decide because he hates Brussels sprouts that much. All right. Well, okay. That's that's an interesting pick because you know I think you know I, I'm not a huge fan of Brussels sprouts. I must say, but to put them this high, I feel like you're riding the public perception wave a bit too hard. You know, I think you actually try some Brussels sprouts out. You cook them well. Uh, I don't think they're awful. I think they're redeemable. Um, unlike my next pick, which uh, you know is it doesn't have the rep for being a bad vegetable, but I would argue it's pretty terrible. Uh, you know, actually, honestly, I'm looking at these this list of vegetables. It's kind of hard to discern, like which ones are worse than others. But I'm gonna go with this one. Uh, the eggplant. All right. Now, um, aside, like, honestly, what's the best characteristic of the eggplant? Does it have any sort of positives? I would argue absolutely not. Uh, texture is the main thing that you would argue is absolutely horrendous with the eggplant. It's just fucking mush. All right. It's irredeemable. It's mush when it's when it's cooked. And when it's raw, it's like, you know, it's a fucking brick. It's it's intolerable. Uh, the taste brings nothing in particular positive. You know, it's it's very bland. Um, and, uh, you know, some, some you know, if you cook it poorly, it can be offensive. And, uh, you know, other than that, you know, what is its main quality? It looks kind of phallic. So, you know, you, you put the emoji down, you get a few chuckles. Uh, but that's not, I don't qualify that as a good vegetable at all. Eggplant was near the top of my list as well. Uh, the best thing Thank about you. it, I would say, is the name. Uh, so, decent All pick. Right. But I do think my next pick is worse than the eggplant. That would be the radish. Uh, the only good thing about a radish is that it's the last name of Taylor Radish. And everyone on that team, you know, had vegetable last names. Besides that, uh, it just sucks. Everything about it sucks. I don't think I need to even go into it because uh, it's just it's right there. Look at it. You can tell from looking at it how gross it is. It's like, what am I supposed to, like, bite into that? Am I supposed to like <laughs> cut it and like put in a salad? Like it looks like red and like, and I think maybe I think the reason it's especially bad is the same reason people really hate uh, like raisin cookies 
You look at it, you think for a second it's chocolate chips, then it's raisins. You look at a radish for a second, you think, oh, is that a nice apple? Wrong. It's a bitter fucking radish. <laughs> okay. All right. I did not expect a radish to go this high. Um, I See, I think it's rather inoffensive. That's the thing. You know, I don't love, I don't even like radishes, you know? Um, but I'm looking at a radish. I'm not filled. I'm not fueled with hatred. You know, I'm like, that's, that's, you know, put that in a salad. I might eat it last. I may not eat it at all, but I'm not actively avoid. It doesn't ruin the salad, you know? And it's like, and yeah, and apples are kind of overrated anyways. So like, what you're, it's yeah, not even like decent. raisins and chocolate like, chip. That oh, analogy is fair. Maybe I'll like enjoy an apple, but yeah, it's a good analogy. No, it's not. It's inherently not. You know, chocolate chip cookie, you're like, all right, I'm hyped for this fucking chocolate chip cookie. Ah, shit, it's raisin. Meanwhile, you're like, oh, like it's apple in my fucking salad. Who gives a shit? Oh, it's radish. That's a plot twist. Not particularly favorable, but that's all right. Um, you know, I it, radish doesn't ruin my day, which I, you know, which I think is, you know, the, the, the bar is low, but it doesn't ruin my day. So I can't give it too high of a grade. Um, I, I think you over, I don't think I would have drafted radish all draft. You could have picked that last. Anyways, moving on. Uh, I'm going uh, with a pretty popular. F- oh, actually, I, I don't. I think I'm going to switch it up last minute. Uh, I'm going to go with the olive. Um, if we count that as a vegetable, uh, yeah, I think some people like the olive. I mean, but it fucking sucks, right? Like it's got a pit. It tastes bad. I mean, it doesn't work on pizza. Come on, it sucks. It, it fucking sucks. It ruins my day. All right, I don't want no olives. All right, very nice. Uh, I'm going to draft black beans. Black beans what? are disgusting. What are you talking about? They're, what the fuck they're is little, a steak? They're little circle. What are you? You that you're I think I was supposed to eat that. That's a black bean. You're out of your mind if you think <laughs> I'm going to eat a black bean. I put it into my mouth and I'm like, I chewing it and it feels kind of like a, a worm's eyeball, but like that was bulged up like by some sort of air machine. It's just like. Maybe want to vom everywhere. Horrendous take. Horrendous take. Black beans, first of all, they can, you know, I've had black beans that are very good. In fact, I'm like, give me some more black fucking beans. I don't see the beef. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, when They're I talked about inoffensive radishes, bad. inoffensive black beans, see, bro, they don't even taste like anything. Beans. They don't even they taste like anything. You know, what are you talking about? The weirdest, the weirdest thing about, about black beans to me is that uh, some people will like, take a bunch of them and put them into their mouth at the same time and it's like you have a bunch of little bugs crawling around inside of your mouth what they don't give it's bug like, vibes at all what kind of bugs are you looking at are, on the ground like little oh slugs God, or no. something what the hell they don't even have a slug shape uh, they barely even have that texture they don't have that bug texture it's a fucking bean man um Wow, that's that's this analogy is even worse than the cookie analogy from earlier. It's it's, it's exponentially worse. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. I just came out of nowhere. I don't. As soon as you said black beans, I was like, where did this come from? Because you know, I I might even say I like black beans. Whenever black beans, I've never. Yeah, I'll go for black this beans wherever they're there. This is your most controversial take so far. Oh, oh, this, no, this is your most controversial pick. This is the biggest black overdraft beans, I might have ever black seen. Beans. This is insane. Black. You say that every week, and it's never true. <laughs> This one might be it, though. This one might be it for real. I swear. People love the black beans. Ask them. No one. Oh, come on. Well, well, that they're stupid for liking black beans anyway. <laughs> That's an awful pick. Awful, awful pick. Anyways, uh, I'll continue the, the third round. 
Um, with the, the pick I was going to go last round and then decided to go with the olive instead, I'll be taking the bell pepper. All right. My, it's my Ooh. personal least favorite. My personal least favorite. I have despised bell peppers my entire life. Least favorite food out there. Tastes horrendous. All right. Texture is mediocre. No, it's not mediocre. It's bad. All right. Uh, and especially the taste. I just can't handle the taste. All right. The taste will ruin my fucking entire fucking meal. It'll ruin my entire year if I eat black. Well, okay. Maybe not so, you know, my, the palate has mellowed out over the years, but especially in my childhood, um, it just it completely ruined the vibe, man. The bell peppers, they don't taste good. Your breath fucking stinks. They stink up the room. It's just, it's not a good time with the bell pepper. I don't love the bell pepper. And to be fair, it is hard for me to criticize most of the any pick you would make because I dislike a lot of vegetables. <laughs> but the bell pepper, the bell pepper, I think it's like, I, it's, I'm not such a big fan of it. But in moderation, it's okay. Like every year, I'll take maybe two bites. I'll take like two bites of a bell pepper and be like, all right, you know, that wasn't too bad. I don't need any more. Uh, but I think the reason why that wasn't overdraft for you in round three is the fact that they look nice. and They're in so many nice and bright colors and they're pleasant to look la- look at. Unlike black beans, which are just a bunch of little ants oh, no. crawling around the bowl. <laughs> oh, the fuck up. I would argue that the bell pepper, the fact that it looks nice is even more. It just underwhelms you because I'm not here to fucking look at the food. I'm here to eat that shit. And if I look at something that looks nice and colorful, I put that shit in my mouth. I'm anticipating something nice. I'm anticipating something maybe sweet even. And it underwhelms me to the nth degree more than any other food has in my entire life. Then, you know, it's just you really set it up and then let me down like that. Um, You know, you set out a vegetable platter, first of all. First, If you set out a vegetable platter, first of all, I'll be disappointed that you set out a vegetable platter. But then also, <laughs> I will avoid, I will di- go for the vegetable diametrically opposite to the bell pepper. I'll go for the carrots or some shit. Because, but not any carrots that touch the bell peppers. I am, that's just toxic. No, it's a no-go. All right. Well, next I'm going to go for probably the strangest vegetable that there is. I'm I'm assuming forgetting something. It probably isn't the strangest, uh. But it's the turnip, and besides tasting bad, obviously, it looks dirty. Even when the turnip <laughs> is clean and ready to be eaten, it just looks like I shouldn't be eating that. Like there's some leftover <laughs> dirt on it, or like you know, like a a cow took a shit on it and it like it's not all the way cleaned <laughs> off, you know. So there's another big turnoff for me for the turnoff. Okay. Uh, besides all the right. fact that it's Very bad vivid. to begin with. Okay. All right. First of all, I would like to say that all vegetables have an equal chance of being shit on by a cow. All right. Just yeah, but I don't know why like this it. is turnip. This like <laughs> is yeah. But the matter of fact is, the odds that you get a cow shit vegetable are the same regardless of the vegetable. I'm not talking about so the odds. Can't. I don't actually think there's cow shit on my turnip, but it just well. Then, then what's the fucking issue? The, what's the issue? If, if you, you don't do actually think it happened, what's the issue? Because if it conjures thoughts in your mind while you're eating it, <laughs> then that ruins the eating experience, whether it's true or what? not. This could not the, the turnip does not give cow shit vibes. I'm sorry to ruin it. Like, you know, the turnip is not I'm not the biggest fan of a turnip either. You know, turnips fine. It's mediocre, I would say. Cooked right, it's alright. Raw, it's mediocre. But you know, it's yeah, it's got a bit of some brown stains here and there. But that's fucking dirt. What do you expect? It came from the ground. Yeah, I want dirt um, on my fruit. 
on my vegetables. <laughs> then fucking my wash food. it properly. Or like yeah, take off the fucking skin. What is this cow shit analogy? Even when it's washed, it still looks like there's dirt on it just by like the natural tint of a turnip. Okay, all right. I don't know about that. It's it's actually rather pleasant out there. Look at it. It's got a nice little pink hue. I, I don't have, you know, like it's, I, I I don't, you pulled this cow shit analogy out of nowhere. You know, like, I'm so just. So what's gonna, an analogy? Not everything's an analogy. Or, or not, okay, it's well, maybe not the an analogy, but the <laughs> strange observation, I gotta say. Um, all right. So that's, that's the turnip. Okay. Yet again, the taste is like inoffensive. I don't know. All these, all these tastes. I don't see what the big deal is for your last three picks. Radish, black beans, turnip. I'm like, you know, I'll eat that. I'll eat that. I don't mind. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, next pick. Ooh. I got a, hmm. I got a, I got a, there's so many to pick from. I got to like pick and choose which one I really don't like. like. This is kind of like our board game draft. There are so many good board games and so many bad vegetables. Yeah, it's really, it's really something. Like, I, I assume I'm going to get most of what I want. So I just have to, like, strategize which three do I absolutely need on my board. Um, all right. I will go with the... I'm going to go with cabbage. All right? Whoa. Because... Yeah, oh, yeah. Look. Not bad. No, no, it's 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 significantly worse than its cousin, the lettuce. And whenever anybody uses cabbage, it makes me question their decision-making process. Why don't you just put the fucking lettuce in there? Lettuce is fine. Lettuce is inoffensive. In fact, it can bring some value to a sandwich or a salad. You know, coleslaw? Whose idea was that? Terrible, 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 terrible. And cabbage is the main culprit. I mean, look, and taste-wise, you know, you'd think it's pretty subtle pretty unoffensive but i find the taste of cabbage pretty bad um and uh i need something to mask that asap so uh i'm gonna put the cabbage there maybe not your conventional pick but i would say well why didn't you just go with lettuce and everybody would be much happier see here's the thing i think you're drastically overstating the difference between lettuce and cabbage they're really they're not Not, that far apart and sometimes they are and sometimes you don't have one and you need another to substitute we're out of lettuce. Good thing we have some cabbage that's close enough and can get the job done. And I'd say that's what makes cabbage uh, not worthy of a pick in this draft. I think cabbage is okay. And I think that says a lot coming right. from me. Anyway. Fine. Go ahead. Pick uh, your pick. Next up. Uh, hmm, I'm going to go with pickles. I'm pretty what? sure this counts as vegetable vibes. Yeah, Does this yeah, count as vegetable, vegetable vibes? vibes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I allow it. I'm going with pickles for sure. Uh, everybody knows this is famous for being a food that everyone either absolutely loves or absolutely hates. As you can tell by the fact I'm picking pickles, I absolutely hate it. And it feels like the camp of absolutely hates is growing by the year. And fewer and fewer people are actually liking pickles or fewer and fewer people are just uh, stopping to stopping pretending they like pickles. And I think what you were saying about lettuce and cabbage actually applies to cucumbers and pickles because like the cucumber was fine the cucumber was a perfectly fine vegetable uh why did you have to go through this whole pickling process to change it to make it a million times worse and less appetizing and into something that can be like preserved or whatever and it's just so gross and mushy and like 
if it's on a burger, it'll totally ruin the burger. I have to like pick them off because it just every single bite is like I, all I can taste is gross pickle and it's disgusting. Okay, all right. First of all, mushy. I don't know what kind of pickles you've been eating, but you know pickles are nice and crisp. Um, my my take on pickles is that they're fine. All right, I am not of either of the camps. Um, I'm not gonna say I hate pickles because I don't. I'll put them on burgers. I'll put them on sandwiches. I think they give a nice little salty kick. Um, but I'm not gonna say I love them because you know if you eat a if you fucking bite a pickle, you're a psychopath. All right, and there's no way around that. All right, they're just like a raw pit. You're taking a pickle and you're like. Let me let me just jam that in my mouth. Doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, you know they're fine. They're like you know a side thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't make them my main thing. But you know on the side, you know I think they give them a little nice little kick. So I don't know what the big deal is. I don't think they taste bad. I think it's nice and salty. So that's 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 pickles. All right. But I, I do get the polarization though. I I have seen that in the media in the mainstream media. All right. Number ten. Uh, I will be going with celery. All right. Um, no, how? Yeah, oh, just, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, I you, fucking did. No, you, know, you yeah. know my thing with celery. I, I know your thing with celery. Uh, That's right. Should I explain my thing with celery? God, please. Let the listeners All know. Right. All right. So I, I'm not like a big fan of celery, the food. I think it's a pretty good vegetable, basically around like grade oh, nine God. or something. I do not, for, I can't for the life of me remember the inspiration for this. But I made this, I made this bit that I thought was the funniest thing in the world, and I remember other people think it was really funny too, to the point where I repeated it constantly, and most of the time people laughed. Uh, where I would do this like this New York accent that I can probably barely still do, and I would ask people like, "What's your favorite vegetable? Do you have a favorite vegetable? If you have a favorite vegetable out of all the vegetables, what vegetable would you pick? What's your favorite vegetable?" And I would like talk for too long, and then I'd finally stop, and they'd say their favorite vegetable. And then I would rant because usually they wouldn't say celery and I'd say, no, celery has to be the best vegetable. And I talk about how great celery, like, you know, why celery is the best vegetable out of all the vegetables, why celery is the best vegetable. And they'd go, why? And I'd say, cause after you eat celery, you can wash your hands. And I thought <laughs> it was the funniest joke. <laughs> you remember uh, this, right? Of course I do. I, I okay. had that in mind as how I said celery. Um. Uh, okay, because obviously after you eat anything, you can wash your hands, and most people would get that that was the joke. But every now and then, there'd be someone who's like, "I don't, what? You can eat anything and then wash your hands." And I'd be like, "Yeah, that's the joke, you fucking moron." <laughs> I mean, okay, I was gonna slide in a reference, um, if you weren't gonna explain it, but this is even better because you know you want if you you can wash your hands, but more likely you want to wash your fucking mouth. All right. After you get a salary, all right, I, I'll just say that. Um, and you know, your whole salary bit, I gotta say, it's predicated on the fact that you're a fucking con man because you're selling them salary, right? And you got this New York accent. I'm not selling, all I'm right. Not selling you're selling salary. You just said that why? Can, why? You? What do you mean? You're 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 promoting celeryism. You're like, you know, it's the best fucking vegetable, and it's like. Because you can wash your hands, and that's clearly <laughs> the con job, right? It's a con. That's the kind of thing a con man would say if you're trying to sell fucking salary, right? It's a nonsense argument, and I think you subconsciously, a Freudian slip, figured that out in sec three and re- and made the joke or made the. That's why that's why it resonated so well with people because everybody knows celery stinks. All right, it smells bad, it tastes bad. All right, it's boring. All right, and it's just I look at a celery and I vomit a bit inside my mouth. And I think everybody does. And I think you did in Sec 3. And so, you know, that's no. that's the bit. 
Honestly, I never terrible. thought of the bit from that perspective. I and I think you're grasping at straws here to try and Freud me into admitting that celery is bad or whatever. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. But anyway, my last pick, I'm gonna go with the vegetable. So unappealing that even the name is uh is it's the name sounds like the food. And it's not squash. Right. As I was halfway through the argument, I was like, okay. oh, it sounds like I'm describing okay. squash. It's not squash. Right. What is it's it? the lentil. The lentil. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my you know God. What what you know what the lentil sounds like? You know what the lentil sounds like? It sounds like a little bug. What does it sound like? Lentil sounds like a little oh, bug because okay. it looks like a little bug. Oh, it looks like a little oh, beetle. Lent- it's like... It's like the beetle is like the black bug that looks like a beetle, and the lentil is like the brown version, or like oh, the orangey brownish version oh, of that God. bug. And you that one I... just so happens to be edi- edible and in bean shape, and you're supposed to eat it. You're not fooling me. Lentils are <laughs> so gross because most beans oh, are. What a nightmare! And I see people like have like a spoonful of lentils. Same thing with black beans. They'll make like like a spoonful of lentils and shove it into their mouth and just like chew all those little bugs, those orange little little creatures and just like, oh god and it's like that's so <laughs> disgusting to look at and to think about and imagine what what yeah okay all right first of all clearly you know this is food we're talking about you gotta value the taste man and and they don't look they're just circles they're just circles they're as inoffensive as it can get they're little circles they're little orange circles all right and you know lentil soup is a home run every time i love lentil soup lentils are great for that and I think that makes them very redeemable. And, They're a home uh, run. I, and I, don't as, know I want to run home from this restaurant where they're serving lentil soup <laughs> okay. and, into my safe. <laughs> all right, all right. Nice little, nice little wordplay there. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. save. It doesn't save this pick, though. Unfortunately, all you want to wordplay all day long. Um, what is? There's nothing wrong with the lentil. I don't know why you're seeing bugs everywhere. Um, I wouldn't want to see life in your eyes if you're seeing bugs left and right. Um, but I just don't get bug vibes from lentils. Or black beans, for that matter. I just don't understand that. I don't know how you see the world. Where do these bugs come from? What traumatic experience did you undergo to ha- to see your world in the bug lens? I, Here, I don't I'll know. tell you. I'm I'll tell you the traumatic experience that made me hate beans was eating beans. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, but you haven't seemed to have said much about it other than they look like fucking bugs. They don't taste bad. Lentils don't taste bad. Black beans yeah, don't do. taste bad. Everything I picked tastes awful. All right? Terrible. Terrible. All right. I, that's baffling. I'm truly shocked. Lentils are so inoffensive, and they make great soup. All right. Uh, I'm going off the board with the 12th one. It's something that not many people have heard of, um, and that's okay because it sucks. And it's probably for the better that not many people have heard it. The name, all right, tells you all you need to know about it. It's, okay, it's called the Bitter Gourd, all right? Fucking <laughs> awful. All right. All right, it's in the name. They literally named it bitter. All right, and if you ever try that shit, I do not recommend it. You've made a life oh, mistake. Like a cheat code. Get out of there. No, it's like not. Cheating. Well, you should yeah. you should have found the cheat code. It it is like cheating. It's awful. It's truly it, it's named than the it's worse than the name suggests, and the name is already bad. So you know, if you're anywhere out there and you find yourself sitting in front of a bitter gourd, I suggest leaving the table. All right. Um. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. That feels like if I was just like, in the fifth round, I'm going to take the shitty pickle. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the shit-covered turnip. Although I think he tried to go for that angle. but like. 
With my first pick, I'm going to take the Brussels sprouts that will give you an HIV AIDS. <laughs> I'm going with diseased eggplant with my first round pick. <laughs> I can't believe I just Vote for me. an HIV AIDS. <laughs> Vote for me, please. All right. Okay, let's recap these teams. My team. I think that's a clincher for have, me, by the way. Bitter gourd. <laughs> I don't think you can beat that. We have the gross Brussels sprouts, the disgusting radish, the unappealing black beans, the dystopic turnip, the shitty pickles, and the abhorrent lentil. And on Taisei's team, we have the passable eggplant, the decent olive, okay. the not too disgusting bell pepper, the good cabbage. The regular celery after upon consuming, you can wash your hands and the bitter gourd. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. First of all, completely unfair that you guys to characterize your own and I didn't. But also, you didn't even need to add a fucking qualifier to bitter gourd. That's how good it is. That's how good it's set up. All right. I should get it. <laughs> exactly. That's what makes it so fucking bad. All right? That's how you know the it's bad. Bitter gourd. <laughs> exactly you know it's bad already and i'm i'm pretty sure you haven't tried it if not you'd be on my side you want to pick the first round now, the only reason i let it go to the sixth round was because i assumed you never heard of it so uh there we are there we are All i right. think that clinched it i think i think it's a it's a route you picked some no, not I, bad honestly, vegetables i took oh who's who of bad ones i think you're underestimating the public's hatred of pickles as well as their disdain for beans of all kinds including lentils as well as brussels yeah, sprouts. yeah i think i, I honestly think Everybody some people beans. some people hate brussels sprouts so much they would have tuned to this draft but like whoever's brussels has brussels sprouts that's the worst team automatically all right well in that case i would have had no chance with those voters so i can't criticize my own performance because you took it first overall but uh i think you watched it i don't know what your beef is with beans but uh and with legumes in general but they're not bad they're not bad i'm just gonna put that out there they're not bad um yeah, so, look, we'll ask the voters. We'll make it clear, you know, pick the worst one, uh, and uh, we'll see how the results bear it out. I've got a very good hunch about this one, though. I got to say, if I lose this one, I would be very surprised. I've got to say, uh, if you win this one, I'd be very surprised as well. So one of us is going to be wow. surprised in the end because my team what is decidedly worse than yours. I'll get the poll up yeah. probably... Once again, later in the week, around Thursday, you can probably expect to see it on our Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. And uh, before you forget, you got to pick a team to watch for this upcoming week. Anyone in mind? Um, no, I have zero ideas. What's what you want? Do we want to follow? Let's see. We haven't done a Habs week. <laughs> but then again, the first two years of this podcast were a Habs week. Yeah, um, I feel like we can maybe hold up, hold off on them a little longer. Uh, yeah, do you want see, to go back to? They can go. We did Florida then Dallas. It's been a while since you've done a bad team. Why don't you like the Islanders right. or something? Sure. Very interesting how they've been bad. Um, yeah, I thought Dallas would be the bad team, but it turns out they just went and won three in a row, or I think they're at four oh, now. Oh wait, so. wait, wait. Yeah, well, uh, the Islanders. I think they have like COVID protocol stuff. Their Tuesday game oh, is listed as postponed right. now. Uh, yeah, let's pick someone else then. All right. Oh, it's still happening, folks. Um, sure is. Let's see. How about the Kraken? Uh, you... All right. Sure. New team. 
They stink. Yeah. They yeah. you they're a real yeah, live they're... expansion team. It's beautiful. I think we've picked the uh the, uh, the other the two the two teams in the West that are worse than them. Um Canucks and the Kraken. So yeah, by default. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Okay. Oh, so the Kraken play Buffalo tonight at seven. Uh, All right. And then what else do they have this week? D- against Detroit on Wednesday. And I see Edmonton on Friday. So that's three games at least. And then if they play on Saturday, that's just, oh, yeah, they don't. So three games. All right. Fun. And we'll get to see the Oilers again. Let's get to tune into Connor McDavid. Uh, fun. All right. Okay. So uh, I believe that's all for us this week. Unless you have anything, any last things to add? Ooh, yeah. Actually, I do have one thing I, I want to say. I want to plug Sophie and Santa. Uh, I've been working on an audio music, a short audio musical. It's about 10 minutes long. Um, and it is going to be premiering on my YouTube channel very soon. Probably I'm aiming for December 10th. That's my target date. Uh, so probably like Friday, December 10th, around nighttime, uh, you are going to hear three of my fellow Concordia students in lead roles, as well as other people from around the world i guess in the ensemble of santa's including ty say he actually was was kind enough to do some to be included in the background singing so although you might may not hear his voice distinctly know that he he will indeed be there and me too yeah my vibes are in there um or my contribution so uh yeah definitely check that out um okay all right uh yeah did you give them a platform or how to how to find it uh, go on YouTube, search my name, Alex Mellaris. Uh, you'll find my channel and that's where it'll be premiering. Uh, it's the channel with the Phineas and Ferb lo-fi loops. All right. Excellent. Uh, okay. So I think that's all for us this week. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you can find, uh, our Instagram tags or Twitter tags, uh, or sorry, our Twitter tags in the bio, the Instagram account at Fusion and Hockey Podcast for this account, also in the bio. Uh, hit us, give us a, give us a subscribe. You can give us an all five star review. Why the hell not? Uh, and yeah, we thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week for Kraken News.